Hi there, Casey. How are you getting on? Hi, John. Yes, I am very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Okay, good. Have you been up to anything exciting? I've been a busy girl this last few weeks. Yeah, I think since closing out Sophos's year end, it's just been full steam ahead on plans for the next year. Uh, we've got loads of partners are looking to engage and doing some super cool stuff actually over the next couple of weeks and months. So yeah, been very busy. Fab. And in all of this time, have you uh, found the opportunity to take a look at that uh, that dreaded exam that you've been dodging? Well, you might think not, having you know, given how busy I have been. But I actually have. I did it last week. I set some time aside. I was like, right, we've done enough episodes of this podcast now. I think, what are we, 17 or 18 in? Um, been talking about softballs every day. I must be able to pass this test. And I've done it. I am now an SEO1 certified softballs sales person. Woo-hoo. Oh, woo, that's fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, well, I do feel like I should take a, a, a tiny piece of the credit, but I know you've done loads of hard work. Um, I think it's all you, to be honest. <laughs> it's all you. Oh, you're the one answering the question. So, so well done. Super. And um, probably a good time to ask then. So now that you've been through that process, what, what could you tell our audience about, you know, how that looked and uh, w- w- which were the good bits and which were the bits that you found a bit more tricky? Um, I think it's it's just with every test, isn't it? Like some, you always get caught out by one or two questions and then you also play, especially multiple choice, what they tell you in school, it's those mind games, just go with your first answer. <laughs> and then you see that second answer and you think, oh, could it be? I don't know. Um, but no, I thought, to be honest, the content was great. And I've, I've recommended it to so many people internally within um, TD as well. I think we've had um, some of our just, you know, our general sales um, account managers taking it who aren't cybersecurity focused and they've got a little benefit from it as well. So, yeah, for anyone who's listening who hasn't already taken the SEO one on the Sophos um, training hub, go and do it now. It's very important, very important knowledge just for life. And not even if you're, a, a, you know, a security like sales person. I just think it's good to have that general level of security awareness in life go and do it get your mum to do it get your parents to do it (laughs) (laughs) that's probably some good advice so yeah we've we've covered a lot of this series haven't we we've 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 talked about the endpoint we've talked about the firewall we've talked about mobile we've had had some special guests haven't we we're talking about uh yeah party integrations and ndr and then last week we had the msp program so yeah we've gone through a lot really so yeah i'm not i'm not surprised it's uh it's left you in in pretty good stead to, to go through that that exam yeah. no it on, honestly it really has i feel so much more confident talking to partners now and um just being able to have that that next level of insight so for me it's been completely invaluable um yeah what haven't we covered i think there's i have one question john i think there's one topic which I still have a bit of a question mark. And whilst I've still got you for our last episode of the series, I'm going to take full advantage. So, Something that I've been hearing and seeing a lot about, Mm -hmm. I fully understand, is cyber insurance. So can you just give me the lowdown on, like, what is it? How did it come about? What's the state of play now? Because I feel like there's some changes happening now when it comes to cyber insurance. And just... Just hit me with it. Hit me with okay. the end. Well, you, first and foremost, if you yeah, you know, if you don't understand cyber insurance, you're probably not on your own. To be honest, it's quite it's quite a complex area, really. It's um it's it's quite a challenge for for businesses of all different sizes. So, so what is cyber insurance? Well, essentially, uh, the the clues in the name to an extent. Cyber insurance is where you can take out a policy 
um, to cover you in the event of having some kind of cyber related incident. So it seems pretty straightforward on the surface, but um, because this is quite a new field, there's lots of different providers and their policies are all ever so slightly different. And there's some some real subtle nuances that the organizations need to be aware of. Um, so cyber insurance is is really, really popular. There's there's a quite a high percentage of organizations that, that have cyber insurance. So really? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, can I just interject? There? What what type of organisations are by? Are we talking about? It tends to be more smaller companies because obviously they have, maybe they would struggle to recuperate any losses more than larger companies. Or like, who is who's buying cyber insurance? So actually, you'd be quite surprised uh, at at what sorts of organisations actually take out cyber insurance. The, the shorthand answer is actually almost everybody. So the the state of ransomware report, which I I love to trot out, as you know, has got lots of really good statistics in it. That told us that of the five thousand six hundred respondents, um, which were worldwide in all different company sizes and verticals, ninety two percent of the respondents actually had some kind of cyber insurance. So I think. Obviously, the, the value associated with that policy is going to change quite dramatically, and the motivations for buying that, those policies are probably slightly different as well. I guess at the SMB level, it's it's more of a necessity that they're going to need funds to get themselves back up and running. And at the higher end, it's insuring against what potentially could be a, a higher risk factor and a, and a higher loss if something does go wrong. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of organizations that have cyber insurance. Interestingly, like I said, though, there's there's a lot of variation um, there's a lot of variation in different sectors. So, um, for example, here in the UK, there's a, there's a lot of sort of embargoes around uh, insurance. If you happen to be a public sector organisation, there, there tends to be some restrictions on that. Um, the country with the highest um, cyber insurance factor is actually the Czech Republic, which is 99%. Um, Sweden and Belgium are quite close behind at 98% as well. And then the opposite end of the spectrum, Israel, um, their their rate of coverage is in the in the mid sixties, um, so that's an interesting one. Um, energy, oil, gas, utilities is the most popular sector to have some kind of cyber insurance, but there's there's some variations in in the uptake of insurance, but also in terms of what's actually covered. So this is where it gets really complicated. So there's there's lots of variations in in what a policy actually will cover you for, and, and also importantly as well what it excludes. So, so kind of weirdly, one of the most popular exclusions is um, coverage against ransomware, which uh, I find okay. weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because we've talked about <laughs> ransomware a lot, obviously, during this series, and it's probably the highest risk factor to most organisations. And to my mind, that's a bit like taking out car insurance that doesn't cover you if you crash the car. You know, like the most likely thing to happen is is kind of automatically excluded. Um, so that's kind of weird. So that's definitely a word of caution to anybody thinking about taking out cyber insurance is make sure it actually covers what you want it to cover. Read your policy documents. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's not it's not a fun way to spend the afternoon. Let's <laughs> let's be blunt about it. But but yeah, there is a bit of a gap there that you know some of the policies don't really uh, include ransomware. The other thing which has hit the headlines fairly recently, which is maybe has prompted this question, I don't know is that a lot of cyber insurance companies are now excluding nation state attacks. Um, and I find that quite perplexing as well, because we all know when it comes to uh, incident response and, and in particular attribution of attacks, it's really difficult to work out where those attacks came from. 
So I can see some some potential legal wranglings happening here about whether something is defined as being a nation state attack or not. So that that's going to be interesting when we watch that as it plays out. Um, the other thing I guess to be aware of, which is quite interesting as well, and, and this this has a bit of a Sophos message behind it as well, is that your insurance policy is and and the premium associated with it is going to vary depending on your risk factors. Um, and I guess if you translate that through to a world that maybe we're all more familiar with, if you look at uh, cars, for example, then you know, if we hopped out into the car park and we we lined up a bunch of cars, we could probably reasonably intrinsically guess which ones are more expensive to insure than others. Um, and then the same is also true with drivers. You know, you look at people's profiles and you look at, you know, risk factors like their age, the way that they use the vehicle, the type of vehicle they've got, if they've got any previous convictions, all that sort of thing, then that obviously is going to influence the premium. And because car insurance has been around for so long, um, then then the insurers have a pretty good handle on, on you know, what the, the risk factors are and, and set the premiums accordingly. Um, it doesn't really work that way in cyber because cyber insurance is, is kind of relatively new to the game. So we are seeing the industry going through a real period of flux at the moment. We've seen premiums go up quite dramatically um, because they've realized that the threat is the threat is real and the threat is great. And that the likelihood of an insurer having to pay out for some kind of incident is, is pretty high. So we've seen the premiums go up quite dramatically. Um, one of the best ways to guard against that increase of premiums is, is to reduce your risk profile. And one of the best ways you can do that is by having um, good cybersecurity practices. Mm. Uh, so, so having things like our managed detection response service, you know, the fact that you've got a, a cybersecurity team 24 hours a day, seven days a week monitoring your estate, that ought to reduce your premiums. Um, in some cases as well, actually, um, payment is dictated by having proper coverage for, for things like human ed threat hunting. Obviously, cyber insurers can't specify you must go out and buy this exact product from this exact vendor, but they can write into the policies to say, you know, you must have this level of service or, you know, you must have eyes on um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all that kind of stuff. Um, so so there's there's a good way to reduce your premium by by having those practices in place. Um, there is also another interesting set of exclusions as well that exist. Um, and the terminology around this actually varies quite dramatically. Um, but essentially, things like negligence and the way that you're doing cyber could influence the likelihood of actually being paid out in the event of an incident. In the same way that if you drove a car recklessly or you know you drove in some way other than in accordance to your policy that that might invalidate your car insurance um so things like if the incident involves a device that's maybe not up to date with its the software or it's not mm. packed properly or um if the user's done something that they shouldn't have done or you know there's, there's loads of different exclusions that exist here so you've got to be super careful as an organization to make sure that for one, that your insurance covers you for the right set of circumstances, but also that if if something does go wrong, that you are actually going to get the payout and you're you're hitting the challenges that they've they've mm. placed in front of you. Um. So again, shout out to MDR because if you're not running around doing human or threat hunting all the time, then maybe you can spend some time doing the patching, doing the updates, and um securing the estate that way to make sure that you're likely to get payout. That's a great point. Um. 
I think I uh, read something the other week about it on average, like I guess if you're not using MDR or a service like that, it, it would take like 210 days to discover you've actually had been impacted by a cyber attack. I wonder if that in these insurance policies, there's like, uh, you know, if, if discovered within the first 30 days, we will pay out. But actually, the majority of attacks, when you're not using a sophisticated product like MDR, you, you might not even be aware. Yeah, that I mean, that stat sounds quite high. We think the dwell time on average in an organisation is something around the region of 11 days. So there's quite a bit of disparity. They must not have been using Sophos. Maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, but yes, I would imagine that is potentially a bit of a I mean, you could argue that's negligent. If you've allowed an organisation or you know, cyber criminal to roam around your estate at, at will for that length of time, you could probably argue that that was, was negligent. Mm. Um, so yeah, lots, lots, and lots, and lots of things to be mindful of, and it is a real challenge. Um, it is a real challenge to get good cyber insurance. So again, we talked to to the same people in the state of ransomware report, and we asked them, you know, how have things changed? And forty seven percent of the respondents said that policies are more complicated than they've ever been before. Um, there are fewer organisations actually offering cyber insurance, so the um, the appetite for insuring this risk is is diminishing, and um, 54% of them said that they needed more cybersecurity stuff in order to qualify for a policy. Um, so that's what I guess that's driving the market demand for for, for cyber insurance, uh, cybersecurity rather services and 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 um, cybersecurity um, uh, products as well. So it's an exciting opportunity in one respect for for, for our resellers, but it's um, it's something that can certainly add a lot of value when they're talking to their customers and prospects, and probably one of the best ways to equip yourself if you're in that position with a little bit of knowledge is there is a really good white paper actually on, on cyber insurance, which um, uh, has been written by our experts. We have some, some, some partnerships within the cyber insurance providers. So um, we've, uh, we've leaned on them to, to help us create a white paper that will guide people through some of the things to be mindful of and, and some of the things to be, um, to be aware of. I, I painted a slightly bleak picture here, by the way, but it is worth mentioning that, that as it stands in, in, in the last set of um, figures, something around the region of 98% of organisations received a payout of some type from a ransomware claim. So, you know, it's definitely something that's worth having and worth investigating, but 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 there are increasingly large pitfalls to, to be aware of. Can I read something about um, like a future state being of uninsurable? Uh, yeah, I have. I think I know which which article you're referring to, and I forget which underwriter it was that had mentioned that. But I think the prediction is that it will get to a point where it is potentially uninsurable. But that's that's a bit of a future prediction, really. But um, as the appetite for risk drops down, then then it's either going to get to the point where yeah, it's just not commercially viable, or that the premiums will be so high that people just won't adopt it anyway. Maybe yeah, because we all know that you know cybercrime and and ransomware in particular is is a problem that just continues to get worse and worse and worse and mm. as as and one of the things that you can observe over the years if you go through the library of state ransomware reports over the years you'll see that the average cost of an incident just continues to climb and climb and climb um you know as the cost of downtime and uh, and the impact of cyber crime just gets more widespread then those costs are only ever going to go up and and that is going naturally going to have a an impact on the uh, the cost of insuring against those kind of risk factors interesting yeah it's a really a really really interesting topic it is yeah. and it's very fast moving as well you know because it's because it's such a relatively new set of insurance um offerings that that 
as insurers and underwriters get to learn more about the risk, then then this is why things are changing so quickly. It's because they're 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 learning as they're going almost. Um, as I say, if you look at car insurance, we've got you know about a hundred years worth of experience mm. of insuring motor vehicles. So there's, there's there's loads of sort of prior knowledge that you can use, but yeah, the world of cyber moves really quickly and uh, organizations are maybe sometimes learning the hard way when it comes to in- creating insurance that 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 maybe it's more challenging than they, they first appreciated. Yeah, I guess that's like a good analogy, isn't it? Of car insurance, it's like, yeah, we have 100 years worth of data and information and also we're not driving around like it's um, banger racing on the roads, which you might describe kind of like that marketplace of yeah, being no. like, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah and i guess in some respects as well when it comes to cars it's like there's only a certain set of things that can really go wrong and yeah sure they that there's quite a few of them but with cyber there's just so many things that that could go wrong yeah you know i guess evolving and adapting every day week and hour yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and and you know being being fit for for being on the road with an mot or equivalent depending on which country is is probably sort of somewhat mandatory but there's no there's no kind of equivalent set of standards for for being cyber ready, really. You know that varies quite dramatically, but you can sort of see, you know, if you've if you've been negligent and you've not put endpoint protection, for example, on on your on your estate, that's a bit like driving around in the car with bolt tires or something like that. You know, you're not <laughs> you're not doing the, the right things. So, you know, you're almost inviting challenges. Yeah, I can see the logic of it, but it, there's just so many more complications when it comes to something. Or a bumper sticker saying "Hit me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting. It is an interesting market, and it's uh, again for those listening, it's definitely worth having a read upon that, mm. that cyber insurance uh, white paper. It's um, yeah, it's quite eye opening to be honest with you, and it, it it certainly if you're making a sales call or having that conversation with with customers and prospects, it's definitely something they're going to be interested in because it's a. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a real challenge and it's a it's a significant topic. And it helps in almost, you know, we talked we talked before, didn't we, about the cost of buying some of the cyber stuff. And sometimes it can be quite difficult to justify return on investment, but you can very easily see, you know, if I if I buy service X from Sophos and it reduces my premium by by this value, then it's quite easy to actually track what the return on investment looks like. So um it, yeah, there's there's certainly some figures there that you can put around it that that help to to build the case for having good cybersecurity. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, I feel like I'm a bit more confident on cyber insurance now. That's brilliant. Thanks, John. No worries. No, I'm, I'm glad to. Yeah, but certainly, yeah, have a little read up and uh, we'll take it from, from there for you. So uh, now feels like a sort of natural time to, I guess, bring this little series to a, to a close. It's been, it's been heaps of fun um, and I hope you've enjoyed going through the journey as well on the way. I definitely have. I've been, you know, very vulnerable and uh, <laughs> out there about my shortcomings when it comes to my technical knowledge. So, yeah, I feel delighted to have been able to do this with you, John. Thank you so much for answering all of my million questions. No, no, it's an absolute pleasure. So what are we going to do next? Are we going to have a billion questions to ask at some point? <laughs> but they just keep coming. I don't know where they can come from, just inside my brain somewhere. Yes, yeah. I think we'll definitely be back. We've really enjoyed this, haven't we? Um yeah take a little break do some actual day job stuff for, for a few weeks yeah. <laughs> and then we'll definitely come back and I think actually it'd be great to get some maybe some of our listeners or some partners on the next series and just slightly have a different conversation next time sounds great I look forward to doing that in due course then so keep an eye on your uh, favorite podcast app folks and then we'll uh, yeah. 
we'll be uh, we'll be back at some point in the future in in the interim thanks everyone for listening and uh and naturally well done to you casey congratulations once again on your exam pass thank you yeah i hope you enjoyed the journey as well yeah take care everyone and we'll see you again soon